0: first coming attractions before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the voice america empowerment channel we'll take you behind the scenes interview celebrities and review new movies tv shows and digital releases now here are your hosts from kids first coming attractions
1: welcome to kids first coming attractions i'm your host kyla from boston massachusetts today we'll be talking about a haunting in venice Stephen Curry Underrated, Five Nights at Freddy's in Real Life YouTube Video, Pencils versus Pixels, Radical, and Leo. First up, we'll be reviewing A Haunting in Venice with Sydney. Hi, Sydney.
2: Hi, how are you?
1: Good, how are you? Great. So what are your overall thoughts on this film?
2: So overall, I really like that this film had a lot of action, but it was too much action for me, and it was just kind of hard to keep up with the plot and the storyline, but I did like the direction of the film.
1: Yes, I definitely agree with that review. I actually watched it today and I definitely agree that like the action was good, but it was a little bit like too much at times, but it yeah, was. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the storyline of this film?
2: So yeah, A Haunting in Venice is about going back in time to Venice, Italy in 1947 on Halloween night and a retired private detective goes to a Halloween party. One of the guests there is suddenly murdered, like out of the blue. And it's up to him and a couple other spirit mediums to solve the case.
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting story. Did you like the story?
2: Yeah, I like the story. Um, it was just, I mean, the story is based on Agatha Christie's novel called The Halloween Party. So um, she's a great writer and just that they based this on the book was kind of cool it was just like like we said too much action
1: yeah I definitely agree so um we were just talking about how there's too much action so do you think the amount of action is good enough action to like keep the film moving or do you think it was too much or too little
2: I think it was too much because there was a lot going on and the characters each had their own background story and stuff so I mean this is a mystery movie so I was very engaged but I feel like if there was a little bit less action it still would be as engaging because it is a very interesting story um i would recommend watching it it's just a lot of action so yeah i would say a little bit too much
1: yeah i would definitely agree with that and i also think that if they just taken more time to like focus on the characters because they had like really good characters that like added a lot i feel like if they just spent more time on the characters it would have like been better but
2: Yes, the characters were great. They showed a lot of emotion, which definitely added to the storyline.
1: So how scary is this movie and in what ways is it scary?
2: I didn't think I would be that scared, but my heart did stop for a little bit. Um, There are jump scares and it's all it's just all about murder. So I would say it's not in the top horror movies, but it's pretty scary. And I wouldn't recommend young kids to watch it.
1: It wasn't like a horror horror movie, but like it was definitely it had its scary moments. <laughs> yeah. So if you could have any role on or off camera in the production of this film, what would it be?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would probably say behind the scenes just because a lot of thought and effort was put into this movie behind the scenes to make it look like this. So I would say. I'd probably want to be on costumes, because the costumes were very realistic for the time in 1947, and it just added a lot to the storyline, and the costumes just were great. I really liked them.
1: It would be cool to work on the costumes, I feel like, especially in this movie, because you have to be so careful, because like the setting and the time period is very distinct. And you also have like all these different elements of like a mystery and the supernatural effects. And there's so many different characters. I feel like that would be a very cool job. So were there any aspects of the film that didn't quite meet your expectations?
2: I would say just the background of each character, because like you said, there are so many characters um, and their interactions with each other are great, but we don't really know their history or their backstory. Um, like for example, the main character, Hercule, I think is how you pronounce his name. I don't know. They have accents.
1: <laughs> but, yeah,
2: <laughs> but his background—he's a private detective, or he was, and we kind of just see his present. Um, interactions with everyone, but I I just wish we had more backstory and more intel because it would help us understand the characters more.
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel like that would have definitely like made the uh, the characters stronger. And but I do think that like the actors did a good job like with what they had. So that was my next question. Actually, how is the acting in this film?
2: Um, I I did like the acting. Um, some characters just were were not that great. <laughs> like the acting sometimes was very slow. And I feel like the characters didn't interact as, as much as they could. But the main characters, they they were great actors, um, like Michelle Yeoh, Kenneth Bernock and um, a couple of others. They really, really added to the story. And I was very engaged while watching them. So I'm pretty sure the characters in the book uh, are like them. And I just think the main main characters were great at acting, but like the side characters, you know, there are a lot of characters in this film. <laughs> so the main ones were good, but the side ones, I just didn't see a purpose for them.
1: Yeah, there definitely were a lot of characters, but I feel like most of the actors, like especially in like the main roles, they definitely did a good job of like, with what they had like backstories and knowledge wise. Yes. So do you have a character or even just, like, a moment of this film that, like, you could relate to the most?
2: I'm not really sure because this is a mystery movie and I haven't really been involved with murder, as you can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. But I did feel empathetic when Rowena was trying to find out what happened to her daughter and stuff. And just, like, that relationship between your family, I think, was very emotional. And that's a part of the film, like, you think it's a mystery movie, but it actually is more than that. It's about the connections between the characters and like your instincts and stuff. So a part I relate to is the relationship between the people in your life, like she was very concerned for her daughter. And that's all she wanted to do was to find her. And I
1: think yeah, I agree. I, th- I think I could also relate a little bit to like the daughter and like the mother daughter relationship like dynamic they had going. So what is your age recommendation and star rating for A Haunting in Venice?
2: So I give A Haunting in Venice 2.5 out of 5 stars and I recommend it for ages 12 to 18 plus adults because it is on the spookier side. And I wouldn't recommend it for younger kids, but I feel like um, teens would enjoy this.
1: And where and when can we watch A Haunting in Venice?
2: A Haunting in Venice will be available on Hulu and VOD starting October 31st, 2023. And it will be on Blu-ray and DVD beginning November 28th, 2023.
1: Yeah, everyone should go check it out. It is a good movie.
2: (laughs) Yes, and keep your eye out for the Easter eggs.
1: Yes, do that. Thank you for talking with me today. Thank you. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about... A Haunting in Venice, Stephen Curry Underrated, Five Nights at Freddy's In Real Life YouTube Video, Pencils vs. Pixels, Radical, and Leo. Right now, we're switching over to review Stephen Curry Underrated with Daniel. Hi, Daniel.
3: Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great. I'm happy to be here.
1: Yes, me too. So, to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about the plot of this documentary?
3: So, the documentary really just explores the early life of the famous basketball player, Stephen Curry. So we get to see really how his college years and uh, teenage years really shaped who he is today.
1: Oh, that sounds very interesting. I don't know much about him, but I do know that he's like a very good athlete. so. (laughs) So do you think that you need to be a fan or have prior knowledge about Stephen Curry to like fully enjoy this documentary?
3: I think that's one of the greatest things about this documentary. It's that it's accessible to anyone. So I'm not even a big basketball fan, but I was able to just be pulled right into the story, his story and just enjoy it. So I would say if you're not a fan and you don't know about Stephen Curry, you'll enjoy it. And if you are a fan, you'll enjoy it. Maybe the same amount, maybe more.
1: Yeah, for sure. That sounds really good because I'm assuming it's also like very educational about Stephen Curry. So if you're just like curious about the sport or the person and you don't really have any background knowledge, it's a great way to like get into the sport. Exactly. So do you think the documentary had enough new material and new action to keep you interested the whole time?
3: I would say, yeah, I would say for sure. Um, It was very, very um, interesting in the way that I was always, like, excited to see what happened next because, you know, I was always rooting for Stephen Curry and just wanting to see where um, where his life takes him. So, yeah, I would say it um, was always entertaining.
1: Yeah, it's so cool when, like, um, a movie, especially a documentary, has the ability to, like, make you genuinely just want, like, want to root for the main character and want to know more about them and like, make sure their life is going in a positive way.
3: Right, right.
1: So what was your favorite, like, or most inspirational moment?
3: My favorite moments were the moments in which they showed that Stephen Curry was a very, like, he was known for being very small, but how he overcame the obstacles that, you know, set him back, and he just kept pushing And he made it into the NBA. So my favorite moments were those that displayed his perseverance.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I definitely think it's always, like, super inspirational and inspiring. Just, like, when people that are, like, not expected to do good because of, like, their size or something else, like, prove everyone wrong and then become this amazing athlete or celebrity or whoever it is. So if you could speak with anyone who helped work on this film, who would it be and why?
3: I would probably speak with the director Peter Nix because I think it's just such a well crafted documentary and I think it's just uh such a great story brought to life and I don't think this story could be you know shown to audiences any other way than in the documentary form so I would And I think that's all thanks to him. So yeah, I would speak with the director.
1: Yeah, that would be, I think that would be really cool, especially in like a documentary because you have to gather so much information and figure out how you're going to structure it and make sure that like it's informational, but not boring. So yeah, I think that'd be a very interesting interview.
3: Yeah, it is a hard task.
1: So how do you think this documentary stands out from other documentaries?
3: Well, like I talked about, the accessibility is a big part of it. I think it's also just a very, I talked about it also being uplifting. It's just a very, very uplifting story um, where, and, and motivational, where somebody who thinks they can't achieve greatness, you know, overcomes the obstacles and makes it to the top.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, what is your age recommendation and star rating for Stephen Curry Underrated?
3: So, I would say that this documentary is good for the ages. Uh, 12 to 18 plus adults and my star rating would be four out of five stars
1: and where and when can we watch stephen curry underrated
3: we can watch it on apple tv plus
1: i will definitely check this out sounds like a very good documentary thank you for talking with me
3: today thank you so much for your time
1: i'm kyla from boston and you are listening to kids first coming attractions let's take a break and when we come back we'll have more awesome reviews and interviews stay tuned
4: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies.
4: Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
0: You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Welcome back to Kids First Coming
1: Attractions. Now let's listen to Michaela and their interview with Lee Romare for Five Nights at Freddy's in Real Life, the YouTube video.
5: Hi, I'm Michaela from Kids First, and I'm here with the Emmy Award winning Lee Romare who teamed up with American YouTuber Socks for One to recreate the iconic Five Nights at Freddy's characters in his newest video, Five Nights at Freddy's in Real Life. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Michaela. So my first question is, have you worked with Socks for One before or is this your first time?
6: This is the first time I've worked with Socks and I will say they are a great team uh, to work with.
5: So what was your reaction when you found out that the video game Five Nights at Freddy's was becoming a movie.
6: Well, I I hadn't heard of, um, honestly, I haven't heard of Five Nights uh, uh, at Freddy's before this. Uh, I was contacted by uh, Carson Philbin, who's the director for Socks, And, uh, you know, they pitched the the project to me. Uh, And, you know, they wanted to get it done before the movie opened. so that was that was when I first kind of learned about all of it. I'm not a big video game person, um, but I do have fans in my studio uh, of the video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, you know, that's the first time I really heard of it.
5: Yeah, it's definitely pretty popular. So what was it like bringing these video game characters to life?
6: You know, it, we had a, um, it was a very challenging project because we only had eight weeks to do it. Uh, and that included making the characters characters, um, and then uh, programming the heads. The heads are animatronic. This the bodies are suits. People wearing them. Um, so we, you know, eight weeks is a very short period of time. We do a lot of work for theme parks, uh, for uh, theme park attractions, animatronics for that, and those typically take you know a year to two years to make. So an eight week project is really fast. It was a challenge, and it but it was really fun, and it all really came together. Um, exactly as it should have, um, on set and behind the scenes as well.
5: Wow. That seems really quick to have to do everything. Yes. So yeah. So how do you think the five nights at Freddy's fans will react to the animatronics coming to life?
6: Well, I mean, as of today, it has about 6 million views and I think it has about 8,000 comments and lots of the comments are, um, they were very excited to see, um, the animatronics they they love the costumes they thought they looked just like the costumes in the video game or the characters in the video game uh, so i think we did a pretty good job i mean you know we, obviously we had to make some uh adjustments uh and we had to do that we had to make the head slightly bigger so we can fit a person inside you know the person's head and the mechanical structures uh for the eyes and the mouth um but it 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 you know, I think everybody was super happy with how it looked. And, uh, you know, there were just hundreds of comments about that. So I was very excited to see that. And, and you know, Socks and his team were very happy with him as well.
5: Yeah, I was actually wondering, like, how it worked, if there was somebody actually inside. So that's cool to know.
6: Yeah, they hired uh, dancers to actually do it. So the dancers, you know, were able to mimic those robotic moves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, an animatronic like that would cost... Um, you know, probably several million dollars to create. Um, so, you know, it had to be actors. It had to be a costume because, um, you know, it's simply un- it's not doable with an actual animatronic figure, which yeah. is a whole. It's essentially a robot, you know.
1: You were listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about A Haunting in Venice, Stephen Curry underrated, Five Nights at Freddy's In Real Life, the YouTube video, Pencils versus Pixels, Radical, and Leo. Right now, we're continuing listening to Michaela's interview with Lee Ramirez about Five Night at Freddy's in real life, the YouTube video.
5: So you said that it took, you had eight weeks personally. Right. So was that like the time span for the whole YouTube video itself?
6: Uh, well, we were, so I had a team of about 21 people working on this. <laughs> uh, and while we were building the costumes, they were actually building the restaurant. So uh, they built the restaurant, the sets, uh, they coordinated all of it. And then it was all shot in one day. Uh, Yeah. So it all had to come together pretty perfectly.
5: Wow. That was really short time. Um, Yeah. So how has working on this project been different from other projects you've done?
6: Well, um, like I said, this is the first, I guess, YouTube video we've done. Uh, and it's probably, I guess, the most I don't think it's ever been done before to have animatronic mechanical characters uh and suits working on a video I and mean, just because of the the sheer expense of it. Um, you know, like I said, we normally do theme park work um for you know all the things that you go see the Pirate to the Caribbean, Avatar Land, Star Wars Land. We we do a lot of that work um at Disneyland and at Universal. Um And we do do some movies and TV. This was a short um, project that, uh, you know, it's more in tune with like a a TV commercial um, type thing where, you know, it only has to last a little, you know, these things only have to last a little while. Um, So it's more in line with that. Uh, Movies typically when you do a project like this with a puppet or an animatronic, they have to last for maybe a month and there's always somebody taking care of them. This was just for one day. So we did a lot of 3D printing um, of the mechanisms, all the mechanisms in the head were 3D printed, mm-hmm. um, designed in the computer, uh, printed out and assembled really quickly. Um, and we knew that, you know, if they would just last for the shoot, that it would be, you know, great. So, you know, that's how it differs in, in that way, I would think just the, the, the temporariness of the whole thing. <laughs>
5: that's really cool because I never even realized that there was this whole world of animatronics. So that's really interesting. Um, What was your favorite part about working with this property?
6: I think it was just the the fun of the challenge of getting it done and, you know, working with this uh, team that was young and they were very excited about the project. Um, You know, so, you know, that enthusiasm kind of carried over the whole thing. Uh, it was it was very interesting to try to build a costume for an actor that we couldn't normally if we um, make a costume for somebody, we're able to measure them and, and get them and try it on in the studio. This was all the way across the country, you know, on the East Coast and we're on the West Coast. So we had to we had to build the suits um, based on measurements and we had to make sure the dancers that they hired were the exact measurements that we build to um in order for them to fit i mean they could have been shipped over and they might have not fit someone so we had to coordinate all that and it it turned out to work really well
5: i see there could have been a lot of complications but it turned out really yes. well.
6: yeah electronics you know also too you know all those heads were wireless we programmed the heads uh to sing the Freddie's song um so we lined up all the heads and we programmed each one and the, we, we made it all on one button. So the director could hit the button and they would start talking at the right times during the song um, and he could turn it off whenever he wanted. So that was really neat as well. So we made it as simple as possible, as foolproof as possible. And um, luckily nothing went wrong. It all went right. And they actually f- finished filming three hours before they were supposed to finish. So that's a probably a record in itself.
5: That's really cool. So my final question for you is, what do you hope the audience will take away from watching the Five Nights at Freddy's show and YouTube video in particular?
6: Well, I just, you know, I hope they enjoy it. I mean, you know, those guys are are really funny. And I think, you know, having the the characters look so much like the real characters in the video game, um, it just, it brings like the whole level of, the project and the video up, um, you know, the combination of those guys, the acting and the, their um, craziness and the great sets and the good costumes and, 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 and animatronic heads. Um, I, I hope he does something else like this. It's, it was really cool.
5: Yeah, and I definitely see that there was a lot of hard work put into it. And I think. People are really going to love it. I'm Kyla from Boston,
1: and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll have more awesome reviews and interviews. Stay tuned.
4: Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio.
0: To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place.
4: Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
0: You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview
1: is coming up. Welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. Now let's listen to Hanadi and their interview with Tom Bancroft for Pencils vs. Pixels.
7: Hey, Hanadi.
1: Hello. I just
8: have a, a couple of questions for you. Yeah. Okay. So my first question is, what inspired you to produce a documentary, Pencils vs. Pixels?
7: Well, uh, you know, a friend of mine who's the director of the film, uh, he was somebody that always wanted to be an animator, but never got to, he's an artist, but not an animator. And, um, he came to me and said, I have this amazing idea. What if we did a documentary where, uh, you know, it's about your, you know, my generation of the nineties and 2000 animators and, you know. What, what happened to 2D animation? Because it kind of disappeared and a lot of people don't know that story of what happened to it. And when I heard that, I was like, why didn't I think of this? I am in, I'll be the producer and I will also call all my friends uh, from my generation of anim- animation and, and add to that too. And let's make a movie. We'll start talking to them and interviewing them. And sure enough, that's how it started. And it's just evolved after about seven years into pencils versus pixels.
8: Oh, wow, seven years, that's a long time.
7: It is, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I'm guessing you were pretty young. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
8: Okay, so my next question is, can you elaborate on how the traditional hand-drawn animation technique influenced like the computer animation?
7: Yeah. Happy to, uh, you know, there were even before me, there's a new, there's an even older generation called the nine old men at Disney. There were a bunch of people in the actually like way back in the 1940s that were basically making rules and principles of animation about squash and stretch and things that we use today. And they still use in computer animation today too. So a lot of the principles of animation that, were developed way back then are still in use today in computer animation and it's really what brings toy story and woody to life you know um so yeah there's a lot of overlap or there spider-verse there's a even more so because they're using those principles in computer animation but they're also applying some 2d drawing into the animation too more directly so oh, yeah wow. it, they're really linked
8: so, the title Pencils versus Pixels suggests a competition. Can you discuss the tension between the traditional and digital animation style and how this theme plays out in the documentary?
7: A really good question. Yeah, it, you know, I'd like to say it was a competition, but really, if you watch the movie, you're, what you'll find out is to your viewers that it was almost a replacement. And so that pencil, the title, it is pretty provocative on purpose to kind of get people to wonder what's this about, but it does point toward that moment in the early 2000s, about 2005, where um, basically computer animation had come in and films like Shrek did amazing money and made a lot of money. And, um, and then before that, of course, Toy Story and, Pretty soon, they just stopped making 2D animated feature films and replaced them so with uh, computer animated films. And that really meant a lot of people lost their jobs that were in the 2D animation side of the art form. Some of them transitioned over to computer animation, but it was really, that's kind of the heart of what this movie's about, is that that conflict that we thought would mean, us animators, we thought we could coexist and kind of keep making 2D and keep making CG films. But what ended up happening is business people stepped in and said, no, that means we need to do away with 2D and just have CG.
8: Hmm. So my next question is your documentary features interviews with some animation industry luminaries. What were some of the most fascinating stories you uncovered while making this film?
7: You know, it's interesting. There, there were so many, and um, what what really kind of came out of it was what I realized as we were interviewing so many people, and it almost happened at a certain point of the questions. Almost every single person started to get very serious, and it was right at that point where, I mean, we would talk to them about like you know what were your favorite characters to work on, and you know tell us how you got into animation and those stories were sort of inspirational and excite. they'd be excited to tell those but there became a kind of a point where it became almost like therapy and it was really when we started talking about well tell us how it was when computer animation came in and what happened to your job then and and what what were, what did you have to what were the decisions you had to make about your career that people would get very serious and and they started realizing they had never really talked about it they hadn't really kind of gotten it off their chest about some of that turmoil that they went through for a good 10 years of trying to figure out and transition. Um, and so that was really the most telling thing is that we didn't see it getting that serious. We didn't see people starting to cry. We didn't think that would happen. And, and it did.
8: Wow. So this film explores the transition from traditional to digital animation. What were some of the key challenges and um, opportunities presented during the period of this change?
7: Yeah, so I I say it in the movie. It's actually a line I have in the movie, which is uh, something I've said before, which is to me, as an artist, you know, you had to figure out why did I get into animation when that transition came? When many of the jobs for 2D animation went away, it became a real kind of a soul-searching moment for many of us. and to me what that meant was okay, it broke down to two groups is like you either got into hand-drawn animation because you love to draw um and drawing characters is what's what drove you there and telling stories through characters or you got into it because you like to animate and make things move and and so if you just loved animation in general, you could probably transition over to CG animation. But if you got in it because you love to draw um, and that was me, I, I could, I tried CG animation and on VeggieTales, I don't know if you remember that, but I animated some computer animation on that and I just missed drawing. I, I, uh, that was my true love. And so, you know, I had to follow my heart and follow my true love.
8: Wow. I love that answer. (laughs) Okay, so my next question is, as a producer of this documentary, how has this film influenced your future aspirations in the industry?
7: You know, I mean, it does make me want to make another movie. (laughs) Uh, It was a long process. I said it took us about seven years. And I don't know. I mean, COVID was part of that. There were a lot of slowdowns that that caused that to be so long. Um, So we definitely could make it a lot quicker the next time. But it, but it did make me go, you know, there's a lot of stories I'd like to tell that are related to this subject, you know, from voice actors and and other sort of sub uh, thoughts on in, in this genre that I think a lot of people really want to hear. And so um, you know so it does have me thinking about that. Um, I'm still very much in the industry. I have my own company and it's a it's mostly a 2D animation company called Pencilish Studios. And so uh, I'm running Pencilish Studios, but and we're making our own animated series and stuff like that. So I am doing kind of my dream job already, but I'd love to layer in telling more stories through documentaries, too.
8: I love this full story. Okay, so my next question is, your background includes work on classics, Disney films, such as *Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Mulan. Can you share a memorable moment from that time that has impacted your career?
7: Yeah, um, I can. So there was a point, I don't tell this story in the movie, and it's a long story, so I'll try and make it short. But, you know, I'd been at Disney probably eight years, and worked on a lot of films, probably four or five films by that point. And I got to be a supervising animator on Mulan, and I was going to animate Mushu and design him. And I was starting to design him. And what ended up happening was, is they Mushu became a more and more important character in the movie as I was working on it. They kept giving him more scenes, and they then they brought in Eddie Murphy. He, he wasn't supposed to be the voice originally, but they ended up getting Eddie Murphy, and he was a really big star at the time. And so... It got to be to the point where even the president of Disney Animation was saying, Is Tom Bancroft the guy to animate Mushu? Because he's kind of new. Shouldn't we get somebody more experienced to do Mushu? And so, very literally, my job was on the line. And so, very early in the process, I had to prove myself and do a few production scenes, my first scenes on Mulan. It was a make-or-break situation, and fortunately, I passed. They liked them, and (laughs) I was able to keep my job.
1: I'm Kyla from Boston, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll have more awesome reviews and interviews. Stay tuned.
0: Celebrities and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing for more info visit www.
4: Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
0: You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off! Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. You
1: are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about a haunting in Venice. Stephen Curry, Underrated, Five Nights at Freddy's in Real Life, the YouTube video, Pencils vs. Pixels, Radical, and Leo. Right now, we're listening to Zoe's interview with Eugenio Derby about Radical.
9: Okay, rolling and anytime. <laughs>
10: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of your work and mm-hmm. I love Miracles from Heaven. It was one of my favorite films as a little girl. I'd always want to watch it. And of course, that's amazing. And I recently saw Arisanto and Dante, Y Me Encantó. Uh, I didn't even recognize you in the film. <laughs> I
11: know, I look so different than that one.
10: Yeah. And I think all of these films have the same uplifting quality of the human condition. So, what does radical mean to you?
11: Um, this is a very special project mm-hmm. uh, to me because this movie, not, it, it's not just uh, entertainment. Um, it, it has like, more depth. It's, it's a real story, first of all. It's based on a true story about the, a teacher who changed this, uh, the, these kids' lives um, by trying something different. Um, and I love the fact that it's based on a true story because it's not fiction, it's real. And what he did, it, 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 the results are amazing. Mm-hmm. Actually, we're trying to see if uh, in, in, in United States and also in Mexico, if we can um, like duplicate or replicate the, the method in other schools. Um, but again, I love when movies, make you laugh but also make you think and make you cry and make you feel something in, inside of you and this is one of them
10: absolutely there's so many emotions in the film and you're not only a leading role but you're the producer so how is it to make this film so believable and authentic uh
11: something that we were always worried about um we actually brought on, uh, to set um the real sergio the teacher that i'm portraying and the real Paloma, the, the girl who's uh, basically the, the the star in, in this movie. Uh, the original ones, the real people was on set watching and supervising that we were telling the story in the right way. We also went to a real uh, dumpster, uh, to a real uh, landfill um, to shoot and it was very, 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 complicated to shoot under those conditions. We were getting sick constantly, the, the kids and, and I, because, you know, the pollution was terrible there. But I love that the shots, they, they look amazing because we're in the real, real place.
10: Yeah, and it's so important that you had Sergio and Paloma there, and you also won the Sundance Film Festival Favorite Award, which is so amazing. So as a producer, do you think that's so rewarding to see how audiences connect with the film?
11: Absolutely. Yeah. As a producer, I feel so proud of this movie. Well, as an actor, yeah. too. But, but uh, um, the fact that... Um, and uh, let me tell you something. It's not Sundance. Sundance was the first one. Uh-huh. Um, but we we already won, like four days ago, our fifth festival.
10: Okay, fifth wow. Fifth festival. That's
11: so amazing. Sundance was the first one, mm-hmm. and now we just won the fifth, um, so...
10: With many more to come.
11: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hundred um, percent. Um, you can trust us that it's a great movie because it won already five festivals, and... Um, and also it opened in first place in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, we beat Taylor Swift.
10: What wow. Taylor Swift? I know, I know, it's, wow. <laughs> that's my,
11: it's more important than the Sundance Film Festival.
10: <laughs> <laughs> See, wow, the film is, is so beautiful, it made me cry, and I think that everyone who watches it is gonna feel um, very, like, I, I feel like I can even relate to the kids with the school systems, you know, yeah
11: and um, definitely yeah. I, I, I didn't know that but education hasn't changed in the last 100 years
4: mm-hmm.
11: and i think it's time to start a, a change or at least a conversation for a change so
10: yeah and teachers are super important i mean i remember in fourth grade i was doing interviews and my teacher was super supportive and uh, that's so important in a kid's life as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and Radical, the Sergio, he learned from his experiences. So what have you learned from being a part of this amazing film?
11: Well, I learned that uh, even when you have everything against you, even when in cases like, like Sergio, that he, he didn't have any resources or uh, he was teaching these kids in, in a very violent environment, I, I, even with everything against him, he succeeded and he changed this kid's lives just by really wanting and doing something to change his reality.
10: Yeah, and I saw you with the perritos and everything on set and I think that's so special and the movie as well. So, huge you congrats. Know,
11: this is a real story. We um, um, spayed, that's how you say spayed and the sterilized, almost 100 dogs there we uh, one day uh, because we were surrounded by a lot of dogs around um and that they were living in the streets and and we and uh, turned one uh, classroom into uh um una like a vet. Well,
10: yeah wow yeah
11: and and we i brought like five or six uh, vets mm-hmm. and we um so they can't reproduce anymore Aww. And we found homes for like 40 of them.
10: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank Congratulations. You very much. Thank
11: you. And don't miss it. <coughs> Radical, it's on theaters, only on theaters now. You can go from starting today.
10: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. The opportunity to talk to Eugenio is truly special. If you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, make sure to give it a big thumbs up, check out some of our other Kitspris reviewers and reporters on this channel, and I'll see you in the next one.
1: I'm Kyla from Boston, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll have more awesome reviews and interviews. Stay tuned!
4: Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio.
0: To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place.
4: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview
1: is coming up. Welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Kyla from Boston, and to close out our show tonight, we'll be listening to Madeline and their interview with Robert Marionetti and David Wachtenheim about Leo. Mr. Marionetti, I'm currently a sixth grader
12: at a through K-6 elementary school, and I believe that this film perfectly captures the final year of grade school. How did you get all these personalities to fit perfectly?
13: Oh, Madeline, well... Thank you. Uh, um, It was tricky. You know, Uh, we all have kids and we remembered our childhood to help get that across. Uh, And that's what we wanted. We wanted kids to be able to watch the film and recognize their friends, recognize certain situations. So uh, we had that at the forefront the entire time. You know, we wanted to, to feel real. We wanted them to be able to relate to it.
12: Mr. Watchenheim, walk in, walk in a I'm a big buddy to a kindergartner, and I love it. What, what was behind the decision to make those little balls of energy not perfectly formed characters?
9: It was just something in the original script where it was, it was, they, they were described as these crazy alien like type of creatures that are just running around and like almost like Pac-Man just eating everything in sight or, and we just, you know, having little kids or used to have little kids and just seeing how kindergartners are just bundles of energy and just, you can't even control them. And that was the idea to just make them look like something that they don't even belong in this world. Just some, some kind of unique, crazy, almost like out of this world, alien type of thing. So we just wanted to, push them, make them as crazy and wild as we can without making them too too scary looking or anything
13: metal let me ask you a question has your kindergarten buddy ever eaten one of your books or anything like that
1: um
12: well another kinder buddy ate a crayon
13: oh jeez, <laughs> that's hilarious wow
12: and they put a glue on their lips <laughs> but it was chapstick
13: <laughs> yeah. there you go yeah, yeah. just like that yeah there you go yeah
12: mr Marinetti, this film touches on many growing up topics that are serious and funny how do you keep in balance of interesting and entertaining
13: oh that's a great question well there's a third director robert smigel and you know it was in his script he wrote the script with adam and it's something that they really wanted to do. Adam like wanted to be able to talk to kids about inconsequential minor things and also big things, you know. And also the story of like elders, you know, like uh who aren't going to be around much longer, who know that they, you know, they're closer to their expiration date. Um a lot of big ideas like that were uh, in the script from the beginning and it's because Adam and Robert wanted to talk to kids and adults in a realistic voice. And um yeah, that's why it was, they're all in there. It was a tricky line to, like you're very absolutely right, Madeline. It was a tricky line and the you know keep in balance. But I think we did it by throwing laughter in there and there's emotion. So I I think it's, by doing using laughs and tears, it's easier to go along with the ride.
12: Yes. Mr. Watch I I love the musical element that it moved the story along. How did this idea come together?
9: Well, uh, the story is that Adam wanted to watch Grease with his daughters. I don't know if you've seen the film Grease, but he thought it was maybe not appropriate for younger kids. They were maybe like, nine or ten at the time, so he wanted to do a movie like Grease about kids in school, but elementary school, and to make it a musical. He wanted to do it for for kids to enjoy. So that was part of the original idea, and then Robert Smigel had the idea of the lizard and and him wanting to explore to break out and see the world, and so that original concept of the songs was there all along. But we wanted the songs also to be kind of a spoof, making fun of of musicals in a way, uh, but also very sweet and kind of uh, you know just playing with the idea of, of characters breaking out into song out of nowhere. Uh, so there's a, there's a song that the dad sings all of a sudden in the living room with these clocks <laughs> dancing around, and well, then we just yeah. Then we just cut away to the girl, to his daughter's room. We you know, We forget about that he's singing. So kind of just playing around with the idea of songs to making fun of it a little bit.
13: Can I ask a quick question? What was your favorite song? Did you have a favorite?
12: Um. Well, I did like the Extra Time song. <laughs> and I did also like the one that's like when I was 10 and then when I was oh. nine, and I was eight.
13: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a special song it's 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 talking about silly and funny things you know um but it also it's very emotional for all ages like you know you're probably about 11 12 now you know and i'm sure you think about when you were younger too like we we do all all the time so yeah i'm glad you like that song great
12: thank you for talking to me
13: oh thank thank you. you it was great did you like the movie
1: yes i love the movie <laughs> oh,
13: fantastic. great questions too really really professional thank you
1: thank, thank you. you thanks so much for joining us you have been listening to kids first coming attractions to watch our latest reviews of the latest films dvds tv shows music and apps and to learn how you can join our kids first film critics team go to www.kidsfirst.org be sure to check out our youtube channel and look for our reviews on press 4 Kids kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. I'm Kyla from Boston, Massachusetts, reporting
0: for Kids First. Bye!